Well, today we are going to talk about the spiritual discipline of giving thanks. The spiritual discipline of giving thanks. Did you know that having a thankful heart is a spiritual discipline? It is not an outflow of your circumstances. Having a thankful heart is a spiritual discipline, not an outflow of your circumstances. Uh, I was at an evangelistic meeting one time and the, the evangelist was talking about a conversation he had and he went up to somebody and said, hey, how you doing? And they started off by saying, well, under the circumstances. And he barged right in and said, what are you doing under there? <laughs> he was a pretty bold guy. He's like, what are you doing under the circumstances? You know, we're supposed to overcome. We are called to be overcomers. And so one of the key ways that we overcome in our lives is by not succumbing to our circumstances, but by overcoming through continuing to have a heart full of thankfulness, whatever the situation is, whatever the difficulty is. So that is the topic. Let's pray that uh, we get ourselves a, a good sermon today. Father, I do give you praise and I honor you. I thank you that we don't just have to wander around this world and do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Let us heed what you have for us today. Let us uh, just receive the truth that you have. So bless our time. I know that everybody in here is going through different things and we need a different touch from you, each one. And so, Father, I pray by your spirit you would do that. You are well able. So touch us, each one, with what we need so we can take a step forward in serving you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So, do you like Christian catchphrases? Because Thanksgiving has two, you know? Thanksgiving has two, and it's great. Uh, I'm not normally a catchphrase guy, you know what I mean? It's okay, it's good to get stuff in your head and to remember things and that sort of a deal. That's a good thing. But what we're doing today is we're going to talk about uh, the miracle power of thankfulness having the spiritual discipline of thankfulness, and in Christian catchphrase terminology, we're going to go from stinking thinking to an attitude of gratitude. All right? We'll go from stinking thinking to an attitude of gratitude. So if you like catchphrases, there you go. Go from stinking thinking to an attitude of gratitude. If it rhymes, it has to be good, right? It has to be. You go to preacher school and they say, make sure every point you make starts with the same letter. That's all that matters. Now, they, they don't actually say that. But it is important to be able to communicate in such a way that people can understand and hear what's being said. And I think that's pretty... Anybody ever succumb to stinking thinking? You know? No. <laughs> Just a few of us. But we need to get to that place of an attitude of gratitude and most of the time we kind of swing back and forth, don't we? We swing back and forth because our circumstances dictate where our heart is. And that needs to be something that we are able to overcome, is that our circumstances are not the driving force to where our heart is, but instead we have the discipline to be able to continue in an attitude of thankfulness even if our immediate circumstances do not show us that we should. So, again, 
just for good hope people, thank you for helping out. Do you know, this couldn't happen without scores of people helping. It's amazing how many things people do. The first year we met, we'd only been going about six weeks by the time Thanksgiving came. And so I read the name of everybody that was volunteering at Good Hope Church in one capacity or another. And I intentionally, I mean, it took like six or seven minutes. You know what I mean? It took some time. Because I just mentioned everybody and what they did, and then I mentioned the next person, and then this one did three things, and then I mentioned the next person. Just simply for the effect of, man, does it take a lot for a church to happen. Did you know that the body of Christ is not one person standing and talking and a bunch of people looking at them? Did you know that? The body of Christ is all the pieces, significant and important, coming together for the purposes of Christ, advancing the kingdom of God. Everyone in here has a significant purpose in the kingdom of God. It is a fact. And so I am thankful that we have people who come together to serve God. That is exciting. Again, you won't get the thanks that you're due right here on this earth. Occasionally, you'll get thanked. You know what I mean? Every now and again, you get a little little something. But boy, people don't even know what other people do. There are people that solve problems before I even find out about them. Did you know that? The problem comes up, they see it, they deal with it. I may or may not even hear about it. That's a glorious thing. That's a wonderful thing. Let's keep that up. Amen? Before, before I get too far down that road, let me just make sure that we understand none of us really is even serving Good Hope Church. None of us is serving Pastor Mike. Amen? We are all co-laborers, servants of Christ. That's what we do. We have different roles. We do different things. We're called to different pieces of the puzzle. But we are all significant and we're all serving Christ. So, uh, let's serve Him. Amen? Amen. Because He has a good plan. He's got good things that are going on. Have you ever noticed in life that some things seem really important, but they're not? And other things don't seem important, but they are? The Vikings are playing today, and uh, that may seem really important. Um, but really, in the grand scheme of things, if somebody catches the ball or doesn't, it, whatever the numbers are on the scoreboard at the end of the game, you know, how, how significant is that? You know, if you're like me, I've, I've finally gotten to that point where I am no longer affected by the inadequacy of the Minnesota Vikings. You know, <laughs> as a kid, I grew up with Fran Tarkington and, uh, uh, oh, what was number 44, the running back? Chuck Foreman. I grew up with those guys. It was awesome. And Tarkington had the uncanny ability to make you hope no matter what. And we went to the Super Bowl and lost. And we went to the Super Bowl and lost. And we went to the Super Bowl and lost. And we did it again. And so as a Vikings fan, as a kid, I was so tempted into hope that I never let go. 
And then the years went by, and we had our ups and downs, you know, and different things happened, and Randy Moss came along, and Culpepper could chuck anything up in the air, and Randy would catch it no matter where it was landing on the field, and, and oh, it was great. And Favre comes in, the arch nemesis, and then we lose to New Orleans when the Super Bowl was ours. Do you remember that? Ah! Something snapped inside of me that day. And now I don't care. <laughs> you know how I think that it's a, it's a certain form of PTSD, I think, where you just get the, the flat affect thing, you know, like, okay, well, we scored again. That's great. You know, they'll let me down anyway. And so you just sort of, you give up, but it's been an enjoyable season because I don't care. And, but think of how many people devote themselves to enjoying watching football. How important is that? Having fun is important. It's important. But it's just not that significant. I think thankfulness is one of those things that is very, very significant. But we don't realize that it is. You know what I mean? When you wake up in the morning, you can have a thankful heart or not. You still have to punch in at the same time. You can have a thankful heart or not. Your boss may still be a jerk. You may have a thankful heart or not. And your bank account looks the same. You know what I mean? Like, so you can get grumpy or not. Like me, you know what I was doing yesterday? I was roofing. I was, oh, it was cold. 45, like a one-to-one pitch. It was ridiculous. Tying ropes to trees on the other side of the house and all kinds of craziness. Did you know that circumstances shouldn't affect your attitude, but sometimes they do? Yeah. I was I I get to uh, I get to preach knowing a lot about that today because of my yesterday. And the boys helping me, they'll fill you in deeper if you, if you want them to do that. Um, but thankfulness is actually very very significant, very important. We should not underestimate the power of thankfulness. And that's why this sermon is entitled The Miracle Power of Thankfulness. Thankfulness will change your life. Each week I try to say at least one thing that if you actually applied it to your life would change your life. I try to say at least one thing. So try to figure out which one that is. Today it's real simple. If you walk in thankfulness, if you grow in the spiritual discipline of thankfulness, it will change your life. Ten years from now, you'll be in a different spot than you otherwise would be. Thankfulness will change your life. All right. Here is our key passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read 16 through 23 and we'll focus on verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is the NIV up on the screen. It says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. 
Did you know these are commands? It's an interesting thing how Jesus, and you know, this is Paul writing, you know, by the Holy Spirit, these commands. But Jesus also give commands like this, like love your neighbor. Did you know that we have a responsibility to cultivate love for our neighbor? People, I, people say it's a choice. Love is a choice. I think that's a, that's selling love short. You know, that's, it's a choice to grow and seek loving your neighbor or to just run down your neighbor and, and think bad thoughts and just yield to that. It's a choice which road you try to go down, but it's a spiritual discipline. It's a, a place of spiritual development to get where you can love your neighbor, where you can love your brother or sister in Christ, where you can love your enemy. Jesus says we're supposed to love our enemies. That's not easy. I don't think that's a choice in that basic sense of do you want a cup of coffee or not? How do you choose to love your enemy? That's going to take some spiritual growth and development. It's not just a, a flat-out choice. These are commands, but be joyful always. Is that a choice? Sort of. Trying to be joyful is a choice, but have you tried to be joyful and it didn't happen? So, is it a choice exactly? Well, it's a choice like getting in shape is a choice. I want to be in good shape. Well, it's a process. You've got to get in better and better shape. You've got to get stronger and stronger. It's a choice to work at getting in shape. Then you reach the goal. Be joyful always. That's the goal. Pray continually. That... Now, if you're driving, you can keep your eyes open. You know? <laughs> Lord, if you want me to pray, you'll guide the vehicle. Jesus, take the wheel. God is very reasonable. Pray continually doesn't mean on your knees at church 24-7. It means having a heart aware of the presence of God and knowing that your every thought that you think goes to the throne of God. And so we can stay in the presence of God throughout the day. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in certain circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Giving thanks, having a thankful heart is a spiritual discipline. It is not the overflow of your circumstances. Having a thankful heart is a spiritual discipline, not the overflow of your circumstances. Have you ever wanted to know what God's will was for your life? It says it right there. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will that you give thanks in all circumstances. Isn't that something? Now we're going to work at motivating that, but we can't accomplish that today, can we? This is something that happens on Tuesday. This is something that happens on Thursday. This is something that happens on Saturday. This is something that happens when you get something in the mail that you didn't want to get in the mail. This is something that happens that we all have the opportunity to grow in. Give thanks in all circumstances. Okay, keep going, Seth. Let's read the rest of this. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. 
Test everything and hold on to the good. I just love that. That's one of my very favorite scriptures. Do you know there's an implication in that? Test everything, hold on to the good. Do you know what the implication is? There will be not good. Test everything. This is talking about in church. Test everything, hold on to the good. Not test everything and attack those who aren't perfect. Test everything, hold on to the good. Did you know I might say something that's not quite exactly right? Could happen. Test everything. Is what I say part of everything? Sure thing. This should resonate with your spirit. You should, you should catch it. It's not about being told what to do. It's about the truth coming out and it resonating in your spirit and you connecting with God and saying, oh, I feel that. There's truth here. Test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. All right. Have you ever failed to give thanks in all circumstances? Man, that's easy, isn't it? Very, very easy. Now, I want to make this reasonable. I believe God is reasonable. Do you understand me? Pray continually doesn't mean that you give up sleeping, that you give up going to work, that you give up eating. That's not what pray continually means. We need to interpret these things in the right way so that they're doable, so that they're reasonable. This is not beyond our grasp to follow Christ. So pray continually, it it means how we described it, that we're constantly connecting with God throughout our day, but it doesn't mean that you're on your knees at the altar 24-7. You can go home and go to bed. You can go to work. In fact, if you stay at church and pray when you should be going to work, you're in trouble. you got to go to work. Let's make this reasonable. Put verse 18 up there again, Seth. Let's talk about the difference between giving thanks in all circumstances and giving thanks for all circumstances. Giving thanks in all circumstances versus giving thanks for all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I do not believe it is appropriate to interpret this as give thanks for all circumstances. There might be garbage going on in your life And it needs to be overcome. It needs to be rejected. It needs to be crushed. It needs to be taken down. You do not give thanks for that. Do you believe that the devil is active on this earth? Prowling around like a roaring roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So if the devil is doing something, he could put a circumstance in your life. Should we give thanks for that? No. Then we're thanking the devil. For interacting with us. I encourage you to resist the devil. Do not thank him. Even if you call him God, if you thank him, you're in danger. You know, there are a lot of people that think that everything that happens is God's will. 
And even the worst garbage that people go through is some sort of blessing in disguise. That is a lie. When the devil does something, that's not God. There's three types of suffering. We've talked about this before. Well, I'll just whip through it real quick. Three types of suffering. There's suffering for your own sin. You know, like you do something wrong and it's your fault. Like if, if, uh, uh, what can I, ooh, my wife is looking at me. Oh my goodness. Um, that was a deep look. You know, how there's these looks that are like, she's like, where are you going to go with this? You got plenty of material. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Let's, let's just say that I'm grumpy and I say something mean to my wife. So now I have a, a rough relationship with her. Is that, is that God giving me this circumstance? No, that's just me. I'm suffering from my own sin. I'm having a bad relationship because I'm not treating her how the Bible says to treat her. So my failure is causing suffering in my life. How should I respond to that? Repent. You repent for that. You do not thank God for it. Thank you, Lord, that I messed up my marriage. No, thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Help me to get through this circumstance. I'm giving thanks in the circumstance, but not for the circumstance. The second type of suffering that we go through is just because this is a cursed world. There's sin here. There's, there's pain and death. There's there's natural disasters and all kinds of problems. There was a huge typhoon that came through the Philippines. I believe that's a natural disaster. It's part of the curse on the earth. The new heavens and the new earth will not have typhoons. There won't be earthquakes. There won't be that stuff that happens. But this one, it does happen. Now, I don't think it was the judgment of God on the Philippines. If it was, I mean, and, and that's happened. Look at, you got Sodom and Gomorrah, you got Noah's flood, huge thing that happened. You've got these different things that are like miraculous judgment of God. I don't think that's the case in the Philippines. I think it's just bad deal. So, I mean, like we had a flood here last year. I don't think that was like, God hates the five county area around Duluth. You know, I think it was just, this is a cursed earth. Things fall apart here. It's a bad, it's a bad place. It's not working right. And so what do we do in the face of those types of suffering? We resist it. We resist it. How do you resist the typhoon in the Philippines? Well, a good Christian can go and donate money or can head over there and do some service projects or things like that, right? Now, if it was God's will for the typhoon, and the destruction that happened, we should just leave it the way it is. Because fixing it would be rebellion against God. Right? We don't want that. I mean, you don't want to think along those lines. Like, you know, somebody slips on the ice and falls down. Like, oh, well, I guess God wanted you to fall. Who am I, who am I to thwart God and help you up? Well, that's, that's ridiculous. That's not God's perfect plan for somebody to fall down. And, you know, be sore. It's So we should help them. We should overcome that. So, my own sin, repent. The messed up world, resist it. Then there's the war. Heaven and hell are at war. Did you know that? Heaven and hell are at war, and that war is happening right here. There is a war going on, and 
when we suffer because of the war, when you take your stand and your friends make fun of you, when you take your stand and your sports team doesn't like you, that type of suffering you rejoice for. Because you are now going toe-to-toe with the enemy. The kingdom of God is advancing and you have the courage to stand there and deal with it. Rejoice that you've gotten to that place. That would be an opportunity for thankfulness. Three types of suffering. Can you give thanks in all circumstances? You need to believe that that is not of God. Because if you're giving thanks, like, I mean, we've seen all kinds of tragedies, right? Car accidents, um, just all kinds of bad stuff. Are we supposed to give thanks for the car accident? We can give thanks in the midst of those tragedies. We can keep our heart right. And that is the spiritual discipline of thankfulness. So we work at that. Are you guys convinced? Are you convinced? Sometimes people, it takes a little while. You got to get there. I think you're there. All right, then we're going to skip forward. All right. Again, did Jesus give thanks for every situation. When the money changers were ripping people off who were giving offerings at the temple, did Jesus say, thank you, Lord, that the money changers are ripping people off. Thank you, Father, for that situation. Absolutely not. He flipped the tables over. He he fought against it. He didn't give thanks for it. It was a wrong. And he did what he could to right it. If you're not being thankful, what are your other options? Because you have to have an attitude of some kind, right? Something's going on. If you're not being thankful, what are your other options to choose from? Critical guilt? Somebody say guilt? Yeah, the bread and butter of the church. Guilt. Got to keep them feeling guilty so they come back and get exonerated or whatever the deal is there. But uh, guilt, a critical spirit, having a shame, shame in your heart instead of thankfulness. You know, you can despair instead of being thankful. You can think there's no hope. We're we're doomed. We're done. You can despair instead of being thankful. You can be covetous instead of being thankful. You can think, one time I was in college and I was driving an old beater car and I thought everybody else's car was nicer than mine. And then uh, I looked in the window of a car in the in the parking lot just to see, you know, man, these people have nice vehicles. I looked in there, there's like 186,000 miles on the vehicle that I thought was the nicest looking one in the lot. And I realized, oh, Everybody else has bad cars too. They're college students. They just clean them and make them look nice. You know, I shouldn't be covetous of something when I don't understand the situation. 
we can have a sense of entitlement. Rather than being thankful, we feel like we're owed more than what we're getting. We live in America. Just want to let you guys know, we live in America. You think you've got it rough. It's America. We live in the U.S. of A. Even if you have it rough, you can pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and get after it. You have options here. Imagine all the other lives that you could have lived all throughout history and in other parts of the world right now. We live in America. If you think you're getting ripped off living here, let's work on this attitude of gratitude. Get rid of this stinking thinking. Blaming. If you feel entitled, you've got to figure out whose fault it is. Somebody's got to be doing it wrong or I'd have more stuff. Certainly not me. Can't have anything to do with me. There are lots of options, but I think a grateful heart is the place that we need to go. All right. Let's look at a negative example, something that happens bad because of an unthankful heart. Now again, the topic is the miracle power of thankfulness, and we're going to look at some spiritual dynamics of how things work, some examples from the life of Christ and how He did things, of how do we handle circumstances and what are the outcroppings of a thankful heart versus an unthankful heart. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and we're going to read quite a chunk, well, a little chunk, five or six verses. Here we go. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. It says right there in Romans, the wrath of God is being revealed in heaven. Now I want you to look for, as we go through this, how is the wrath of God being manifest? You know, the wrath of God can come in different ways, right? Like we already talked about Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, raining down burning sulfur on the town and killing everybody. Uh, that's the wrath of God. What is the wrath of God? It comes in many, many different forms. What is the wrath here in Romans chapter 1? Uh, it's coming up later, so if you don't look on this slide. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what they, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Keep going. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who was forever praised. Amen. So these were people that knew, but they 
didn't have a thankful heart. They didn't get it right. How is the wrath of God shown in this passage? It's very interesting. In verse 24, the wrath of God is shown by God giving them over. Giving them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. So they wanted to go away from God this way, and God gave them over to it. You want to go that way? Okay then. Do you remember in the parable of the uh, prodigal son? There's the two sons, the older son and the younger son. The younger son wants his inheritance now. So he can take off and do dumb things with it. What did the father do? He gave it to him. Said, we'll see you. Here you go. Not, you're too young. You can't handle this. I, I can tell I'm discerning. You're going to make bad choices. Instead, he gave it to him. Empowered him to go live a stupid life. And he went and lived it. He gave him over to it. You want to go that way? Here you go. That's the wrath of God being given over to walking away from God. What was the catalyst? We saw at the beginning there's the wrath of God. Here we see what it is, the practical application of it. And what was the catalyst? How did these people get the wrath of God to fall on them? How did this happen? Verse 21, the catalyst, although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. Are there people that know God that do not glorify God and do not have a thankful heart towards God? They know God, but they do not glorify Him and they do not give thanks to Him. How does that turn out for you? Instead of having an attitude of gratitude, there was something else going on. Their thinking became futile. What's futile thinking? That's thinking that doesn't work right. It's confused. It's disjointed. It, it's, it's here and there and it doesn't make sense. It's futile. It's going the wrong direction. And their foolish hearts were darkened. I think darkened heart is a bad thing. Have you had spiritual ups and downs in your walk? I've had spiritual ups and downs. There are times where you're coming up and you just feel like you're walking with God. You know, where you're like, hey Lord, let's do this thing. You know, and you're, you're just walking with God. And there's times where you feel more alone than you thought possible. And isn't that, I just think of that when I think their foolish hearts were darkened. I think those are, we can go into dark spots, hopefully not this far. But man, some of us have crashed into a dark place. Their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. They neither glorified Him as God. One of the things I would like to accomplish today in the next few minutes is getting us to not glorify our circumstances, but rather to glorify God. 
Did you know you can be facing a difficulty and you can glorify that difficulty? Oh, huge difficulty. Oh, wonderful and majestic difficulty that is greater than all. Oh, difficulty that cannot be overcome by anyone, ever, no matter what. Oh, great difficulty. Who? What are you worshiping now? You are worshiping and glorifying the problem. Oh, I can't pay this bill. Oh, you know, whatever. The, oh, I said that mean thing to my wife and now I've got marriage problems. Oh, you know, oh, this is unsurmountable. This is un- unbeatable. This is when the spiritual discipline of giving thanks comes in. Very, very important. I need to talk faster. (laughs) Matthew, I want to give you one spiritual principle that's really, really important that uh, people don't know about. They don't know this. And uh, because they think if you run away from God, God will chase you. Right? I mean, that's kind of what people think. God will chase you. He loves you. You can't stop Him from loving you. But you can run away and you no longer benefit from the love of God. And the door's open, just like the story of the prodigal son again. He he left. Guess what? When he came back, the father ran to get him. Like, dude, you came back. I'm so glad. You know, they threw a party. He wants you to come back, but he didn't go to the foreign country and get him. He waited for him to come home. Here's the here's this spiritual principle is that when we walk away from God, He lets us go. But when we come back, He He strengthens us and builds us up. When we seek after Him, He gives us more and more. So it's it's magnified. Let's read uh, Matthew thirteen twelve. This is where. The disciples ask Jesus, how come you're talking to the people in parables? Isn't that important? He's teaching for like three, three and a half years. He's the son of God. He knows absolutely everything. And he's telling riddles. Why don't you just let it out? You know what I mean? Like, he's like, dude, why are you, why are you telling him riddles? And here's what Jesus responds, among other things. He says, the reason I tell him parables is that whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. This is talking about a spiritual understanding of God. If somebody understands God and is walking with God, if they have, they will be given more. You'll read the parables, you'll know what they're talking about, and you'll grow. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Who can make any sense of this thing? Look at it, it's just garbly gook. If you have, now, it's primarily a heart issue, not an, not an intellectual issue. If you have a desire to know God, He will help you. If, you, if you're just trying to get by, because you don't want to serve God, but you still want to go to heaven, figure out how you can walk that line, Your understanding is going to be darkened. What you have will be taken. It's a very dangerous thing. If we walk away from God, He lets us go. If we come back, He empowers us and strengthens us. Very important principle. Jesus says that five times in the New Testament. Okay. Back to our example of Jesus. Did Jesus give thanks for everything? 
No, he did not give thanks for the money changers tossing, you know, ripping people off when they come in to give offerings. He did not give thanks for the Pharisees' attitudes and their understanding of how things work. He didn't give thanks for Mary when her heart was broken because her her brother Lazarus died. He he didn't give thanks for Mary's broken heart. He wept over Mary's broken heart. He did not give thanks for everything. In the NIV, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is recording, recorded as giving thanks four times. In the King James, it's three. Does that seem like not very many? I'm sure he gave thanks much more than that. It's recorded four times in the book of Matthew. And they're in very specific situations. There are situations where the circumstances would not be conducive to giving thanks. The first situation where Jesus gives thanks is when thousands of people have been ministered to all day. Jesus is trying to get away from there because John the Baptist is beheaded. Jesus is like, oh man, I need some time alone. He goes to a solitary place, but thousands of people show up there before he even gets there. So he does church all day long. He's praying for people. He's teaching people. He's doing this all day long. And then at the end of the day, they're out of food. And Jesus says, we got any food? And the disciples say, yeah, we got five loaves and two fish. But what good is that going to be? Jesus gives thanks for the five loaves and the two fish. Was this a natural outflow of the circumstances he was in? 5,000, you know, besides women and children, we're looking at 10, 15,000 people. We've got enough food for a couple of people. We have dramatic lack of resources and Jesus gives thanks for this virtually nothing. This is not being under the circumstances. This is overcoming the circumstances. How did God respond when Jesus gave thanks? They passed it out and everybody ate and there was leftover. The second time Jesus gives thanks in the book of Matthew in the NIV, the feeding of the 4,000. Same situation. Profound lack of of resources. If you find yourself in a situation where you have a profound lack of resources, what would Jesus do? Give thanks for what you have. If you've got a $10,000 bill you need to pay and you've got a dollar, give thanks for the dollar. If you want 5,000 people to show up for church and nine show up, what do you do? You give thanks for the nine. Giving thanks, having a thankful heart is a spiritual discipline. It's not to be an overflow of your circumstances. Two more times, Jesus gives thanks, both at the Last Supper. He gives thanks for the bread and He gives thanks for the cup. What's the circumstance he's giving thanks in here? It's that he gets to be 
falsely accused, brought to trial before a corrupt group of people. He gets to be beaten and mocked mercilessly. And he gets killed. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for the cup. Is this a natural outflow of the circumstances? No. This is before he prays in the garden. This is before he prepares himself to be able to handle this. He gives thanks. Then he prepares himself. We're going to finish up. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. Thanks opened the door for provision in the face of severe lack. Giving thanks opened the door for a miracle of provision. Then when Jesus was faced with an incredible task, he wasn't sure if he could accomplish. He asked out. That's how harsh this was. Jesus asked out. He said, I don't want to do it. If there's another way, <laughs> this cup I've thanked you for, could you take it? Of course, the Father's answer was no. It's your cup. You get prepared. And so he did. That thankful heart opened the door for miracle provision. The thankful heart opened the door for miraculous ability to get through something. To face a task. To face something he didn't think he could get through. It opened the door. Not giving thanks brings futile thinking and a darkened heart. Giving thanks opens us up to the power of God. Is that a hard choice? But it's all up to the application, isn't it? Can we have a thankful heart on Tuesday? Can we have a thankful heart in the middle of relationship problems? Can we have a thankful heart when we feel like death warmed over? It's a spiritual discipline not an outflow of your circumstances. Let's be intentional about growing in the discipline of thankfulness. When Jesus gave thanks, it was a catalyst for overcoming His circumstances, not an outflow of His circumstances. We can use this in the spiritual battle. We can be thankful as a weapon that we wage war with against light and darkness. Thankfulness opens the door for God to move in our hearts. I'm going to close in prayer. The prayer team is up here. If you need prayer, let's say you're going through something and you need some help getting there. They will pray with you. If you need provision, they will pray. If you need uh, to work through a, a daunting task, they will pray.
if you need to know who Jesus is and ask Him into your heart, they will pray with you. But let's close. Father, I just give You thanks. Honor You for all the glorious things You're doing. Help us, Lord, to be able to discern what You're doing so that we can thank You for it and to be able to tell what's our own fault and what the enemy's doing so that we can fight against those things and, and overcome. Lord, give us strength in our hearts when the circumstances come against us and we don't feel like being thankful. We don't feel like that. Lord, help us to overcome so that we can be thankful and so that we can access your miraculous powers, your strength to get us through. Lord, help us to be thankful. I speak a blessing over everyone that's in this place. Give us strength. Open our eyes. Help us to walk with you. You are so good. We honor you and we give you praise. And Father, I pray for courage for any of those who need to come up for prayer who haven't done that before. Lord, right now, give them courage so that it wouldn't be scary or daunting at all. But Lord, that they could thank you for the opportunity to come up for prayer instead of being afraid to do it. So just give them that courage. And I speak a blessing again over each one of us. Be with us and let your light shine in us and through us as we walk around in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.